electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Live from the Nasdaq market site in the heart of New York City's Times Square, this is Fast Money. Here's what's on tap tonight. A bruising day for Apple, China banning iPhones from government offices, the EU hitting them with new regulations and fears rising about revenues ahead of next week's big event. Plus, Disney Wars, the media giant still battling with charter over carriage fees, and now it's going to have to pay up to get full control of Hulu. Our Julia Borson is here with the details. And later, airlines flying into fall filled with turbulence, fighter jet delays, ground shares of Lockheed Martin and AM sees less than memorable day. (laughs) I'm Melissa Lee coming to you live from our brand new set in Studio B here at the NASDAQ market site on the desk tonight. Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, Steve Grasso, and Guy Adami. And we start off with Apple, today's worst Dow performer, the stock dropping almost 4%. Part of the blame due to a troubling development in China, Beijing banning government workers from using iPhones at work. Then the headline that the EU is slapping Apple, along with a host of tech titans, with new regulations that will most certainly impact their business. All this is Apple is battling revenue declines ahead of next week's big iPhone event. We have talked about this so many times, about the, the notion that China can just flip a switch mm-hmm. and hurt Apple. And here we have a taste of it, Guy. The existential risk. We've said, now, we've said it, or, and it hasn't come to fruition. Stocks have gone higher. I mean, with, we're in a whisper of an all-time high. That said, this is the huge risk for Apple. And now it's government workers. But again, China can do whatever they want here. And I've thought for a long time, if they want to escalate the rhetoric, if they want to continue to turn it up, Apple will be the biggest company with the biggest bullseye on their back. And you saw it today. I'll say this. I'm shocked the stock wasn't down more than it was today. I would, if you had told me that, play the game. Tell me what's going to happen. I said the stock's down 10% easy tomorrow, and it wasn't even close, which is a good sign. But this is the first, I think, of many. So if, if you look at a, an analyst report across the street, uh, and they list risk disclosures on Apple, they'll give their bull case, they'll give their multiple, they'll tell you why, and then they say risks to their outlook. Number one risk is always regulatory kind of escalation with China. Number two is typically some kind of uh, loss of dominance at the App Store. I mean, these are the two things that popped up today. Right. I mean, in Europe especially, because they're calling them a gatekeeper, and they're basically talking about knocking down the App Store and, and, and whether they're going to do it or not. Apple has to hold tight here. They actually have to defend defend uh, a lot of the privacy dynamics and the iOS, et cetera. So um, I don't think they're going to go quietly. I would also point out that I- I'm surprised that this didn't happen to Apple um, not far after we beat up on Huawei. Mm-hmm. I-, I mean, and-, and here's Huawei, by the way, in the last week has come out with their Mate 60 phone, which is outsold or kept at least uh, the same sales pace that the Apple, that the iPhone 14 came out last year in the first five days. They've sold about 800,000 of these phones. It's a much better priced phone for China. Obviously, the chips inside make the-, the Chinese regulators a lot more comfortable. And I think it's a real threat. So in other words, I think there's competition in the form of another phone. Uh, I think Big Brother is really on top of them. And I think, uh, again, analysts have to respond to this. Putting all of this aside, there are still questions about Apple's valuation (laughs) (laughs) relative to the market, relative to itself, Karen. Right. So, I mean, it is expensive, even Mm -hmm. without this news or where it was yesterday before this news. I mean, I agree with Tim. China has always been front and center, both as a market for, you know, for, for consumers and obviously as a place where they're manufactured. So they're pretty, you know, vulnerable. 
to China. And that's not a great place to be. I'm surprised, actually, in hindsight, thinking about it. Why hasn't this been more of a penalty, a potential penalty on Apple for a while? I mean, it did not that long ago, traded up near all-time highs. And it's not surprising to me that this level is still expensive, right? I, I think um, this multiple north of 30, we talk about, you know, the software or, or the uh, services multiple being much better than the hardware multiple. But still, it's a pretty big multiple. So even though it's down a lot from the peak, I wouldn't. I, I own a little left. I would not jump in and add to it here. I jumped in. That's I added exactly to what it. you did today. So, so I, I had sold it. I, I actually bought the stock today. So to, to Guy and Tim's, to all, everyone's point, this has been sort of in the mix forever. We've known about this. So you start off the show, China could flip a switch. So can Apple. They could flip the switch, too. They could start manufacturing off. They, they have started have to manufacture, right? So... This would have been a bigger shock years ago than it is now. But sorry, what's the switch that they're? What's, they the, could, what's they that going to do? They take manufacturing from China. They could take the reliance in China. Makes the phone more expensive. I mean, is it a good thing? Everything, I mean, it's good for the U.S. Everything's going to be made more expensive. If we're onshoring everything. That's the whole Biden administration. Let's start manufacturing. Right. Here. Let's bring everything home. So we've established that everything is going to be more expensive. Would you rather it be more expensive or more levered to China? Would you rather, Melissa? Did you see that? Yeah. Well, so the key is you want to get less China leverage, which is what Apple has the capability of doing, which is what they've been but doing already. Other unknown question here, and that is, can the government further, can they say not just government officials, but state-owned enterprises, uh, companies don't you in think, which though, we have stakes, like an Alibaba, by the way, and say, sure, no, this should have been done about data flow out of this country. Right. And, and we're concerned about it as well. So this is very tit for tat type approach to it. This has been already in the mix as far as the iPhone is considered, as far as privacy concerns are considered. But didn't China do this with Tesla as well? Right. They said no one no one can own a Tesla. Government or military but, officials cannot use and, a Tesla. And and it, the Tesla sales weren't really crimped. So is there a, is there a propensity to, for people to have two phones? I don't know. China is different than the U.S. where people yeah, you have a burner are walking phone, right? around. Do you, you have a, now everybody knows. I, have, I mean, why <laughs> do you say a guy like you has to have the one. NFL season? You say like, these so, things. So just, just to put a bow on it, I, I th the reason why I got back in, it seems a little contrived. It seems overdone. Everyone's talking about September being a terrible month. I think it's going to be a good month for the markets. If it's a good month for the markets, it's good for tech. If it's a good month for tech, it's good for Apple. I, I look at a couple things. Uh, just the fact that this iPhone 15 release we're getting on the 12th is, you know, whatever cliche you want to throw at this. It's, it's evolution, not revolution. I mean, this, there's nothing earth shattering going on here. Um, I look at the declining iPhone sales. I look at the pull forward. I look at the discretionary headwinds for every company, uh, especially. Uh, I don't think anybody had more of a tailwind from COVID than Apple, um, at least certainly in, in its size. Tim, only because just real quick, only only because on the innovation, when has Apple ever innovated? They they always replicate. Well, I mean, you know, fair enough. We, we've certainly complained about about uh, innovation at Apple. It's only been a camera. It's been, you know, a case and whatnot. But I look at also those second quarter numbers where, look, they beat, um, but it was still declining sales. Yep. And, and the beat came from 8% in China and 5% in the EU, EU, which, by the way, includes India for some reason. But, but the point is that the two growth markets, the two headlines, uh, for Apple, it's only about the multiple. So, so really, it's about whatever you want to put as a multiple on this stock. And the street has gotten comfortable throwing a 30 times on this. Right. And I just don't know that you do that in this environment. Rising interest rates. Mm -hmm. 28, I have it at, tw whatever, let's call it 30, we'll round up. But as Tim just said, three quarters now of declining revenues, declining earnings, 
I mean, high single digits earnings growth, high single digits revenue growth. If you had said any other company other than Apple, you'd say this stock's too expensive in this environment. It is too expensive in this environment. Guess what? Apple does go down, too, over periods of time since, I would say, over the last seven years-ish, Apple's had, Apple's had probably six or seven, 25 to 40 percent peak to trough declines. Big For opportunities. Yeah. So yeah. it does happen. But, but let's, let's play this out, that if the environment is so bad or potentially so bad, isn't this exactly what you want to be in? You want to be in a company that has a, a, a lot of cash, mm-hmm. does not depend on the capital markets for cash in any way, mm-hmm. has a customer base that loves the product, right. needs a product. It's almost like a utility, like toilet paper. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Okay. I don't know no, what you're doing with stocks at I'm home saying, in, the, in the Lee house. I'm just saying that's, that people do, do not want to live without their iPhones. Yeah. And I get I get instructions and they about will cut elsewhere have to go. Yeah, in yeah. order to still buy that phone. Right. Okay. I believe all of that, that people absolutely think it's a necessity to have their iPhone. But I don't believe it's a necessity to have a 30 multiple. Right. And so we've seen rates move. We just talk about it's math all the time. And so it wouldn't be surprising to see if you talk about a drawdown of 25 percent gets us to 24 times. That's a market right. multiple. Probably the market would be much lower if it got to right, that right. case. So, it would still be above. So uh, even though it is a necessity, the stock here, this is not a, it's not a built-in floor. Inspired by our executive producer who was just in our ear. Yeah. I mean, the question is, um, would you rather, if you find yourself in the toilet without your iPhone or toilet paper, what would you be more <laughs> upset about? Um, again. That, you know, that's just, just bad. Taking it one, it's just it's right t- over the line. Yeah. Right yeah. over the line. Step just too far. But second I like day on the new set, Last folks. Step. It didn't take long. Nope, did not. All right, our next guest is the street's biggest Apple bear. His price target is $120 a share, and he has one of the only sell ratings on it on the street. Walter Pisek is with Lightshed Partners. Walter, great to have you with us. Thanks, Melissa. Um, How are you doing? Good. Is it is it tough to have this rating, this price target on Apple seeming juggernaut in this market? I mean, some would argue that in spite of these headwinds today, the stock actually acted pretty well. I mean, it's definitely been tough. We've, we've been had a sell since March. The stock's up 20 percent, outperforming the S&P, but underperforming um, the triple Q. So, you know, the issue, though, is I think, as you guys were talking about, it's, it's not growing. This, the company is not growing, and the multiple just went from over that period from 25 to 30 over the past four years from 15 to 30 for a no-growth company. They're showing some minimal earnings growth because they're buying stock back. So then the question is, okay, that's already happened. That's the last three quarters. What about next year? Maybe maybe people are expecting them to return to growth next year. And look, the single primary driver of this company's revenue and, and profit growth is still the iPhone. It's 52% of revenue. Right. So and what's happening today earlier on CNBC, you had the CEO of AT&T tell David Faber that people are just holding on to their phones longer. I I was listening to you guys before. You're 100 percent right. No one's going to get rid of their iPhone. The question is, how long is it going to take them to upgrade to the next model? And we all know the battery dies, but the battery has been getting better. And and what is it about this year that's going to get you to to buy it? Is it a higher price? Is that going to inspire you to buy the phone faster? Because the telcos which is where all the product goes through. These are the guys that are doing the promotions. Mike Sievert also on CNBC talking about promotions, you know, costing more and then wanting to pull back on that. Like what's going to make you buy the, buy your iPhone or replace your iPhone faster than you did before? That's so the question. And what, what is the most likely trigger for this decline that you see to 120? Is it, I mean, you can argue that if the market overall goes down, Apple still 
remains higher relative to the markets. And if the markets go higher, it's because of Apple. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's sort of a lose-lose <laughs> situation for, for you bears out there. Yeah, I mean, I certainly, again, didn't expect multiple expansion when they missed the quarter and generated a nickel <laughs> off of a lower tax rate, right? You don't expect that to happen. But going forward, you know, I did this back in 2012. Same issue with the operators. And we were wrong early on. And then it kicked in where, where the replacement cycle extended, the stock missed. And they had one of these drawdowns that you guys were referring to um, earlier. So why do stocks go down or why do multiples contract when companies miss earnings? And yeah, you could say it didn't happen last quarter. But if they miss earnings next quarter, or if they're if the street's expecting three to five percent growth next year and it's not three to five percent growth, then at some point investors look at other large cap names that are out there and say maybe we should be in those names rather than than Apple. And and that's theoretically how the call can work. But you're right, up to this point it's been painful and it has not worked, even though they've missed earnings or at least and not delivered any type of growth in, in recent quarters. Walter, it's interesting, and I, and I, you probably know the number exactly, but I think Apple's in about 350-ish ETFs, of which it's in the top 15 holdings. So in the world of passive investing, where nothing matters but money flow, Apple wins to that, and they're the, probably the biggest winner. So part of your thesis, I would imagine at 120, is something happens in the broader market as well. Is that accurate? I mean, look, I, I'm cognizant. I'm not going to make be the macro guy making that call. It's certainly been surprising what the market has done this year um, relative to all of the things that are going on. Um, so I'm aware of that. But it, but as a fundamental analyst, if if I look and look, we've had a neutral on this before. If I've had a buy on this more than I've had a sell on it um, by a, by a large stretch. Um, but if I look at a company and I look at their valuation, I look at the free cash flow yield, I look at peg ratios, and I look at my numbers being next year 17 billion lower than consensus in revenue if that happens and i'm right fundamentally then theoretically the market should reflect that and and i get that there's large companies that are driving the market but the but when they reported last quarter the stock was down and the market was up so you do have leadership that obviously benefits from inflows but sometimes leadership changes or the weighting within that those large companies does change if there's other companies. By the way, there's analysts out there saying like, hey, this is this should get a services multiple. Services multiple, Netflix PE multiple is lower than Apple. So it's mm -hmm. not like if it becomes a services company, that's gonna re-rate to a higher number. That's a lower number right now. Walter, great to get your take. Thank you so much. You bet. Walter Pysik, Lightshed. Um, and, and Karen, I mean, I guess your portfolio is one example of this where you have a Google or an Alphabet in favor mm -hmm. Instead yeah. of Apple. Instead basically. of Apple. Yeah. Much, much bigger. Mm -hmm. Just to add one mathematical point to Apple, they've been doing buybacks for years. Mm -hmm. Because rates have moved so much and their multiple is so high, those are no longer accretive. They might be a floor to the stock, oh. but they're not accretive to earnings. You were thinking you're uh... no, because I think the risk. I think the risk is so. If you look where the stock stopped on the on the downslide, it was around 170-ish. That's where it stopped back in May. So the August low was around that level. So I think your risk right now, 20 up, 10 down. Okay. Uh, Apple's breakdown, by the way, creating a bit of a domino effect in the market today. Major averages falling with the Nasdaq, the biggest loser. Are we in a so goes Apple, so goes the market kind of moment? Kind of feels that way. I, I, look, at different times we've seen that so far, it's actually, uh, you know, 
Triple Qs have outperformed the market over the last few weeks. And, and it's funny because that point we were saying the market breadth was growing since that point of mid-July, a lot of this is rates related. You've seen transports underperform by about 7%. You've seen industrials underperform by 3.5%. Um, so it's almost as if Apple, despite whatever is going on, and today is, is a bounce downward after a bounce back in Apple, frankly, um, if Apple really gives ground, the, the numbers just don't lie. The market has to pull back. Um, the reflexive dynamic here is I think you're going to see more rotation. I think over the last uh, week or so, as some of the growth that has become a little more troublesome, mega cap techs caught a bid. So that's the flip side of this. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, Tim talked about this on a 1230 call. The Chinese currency, the yuan, continues to sort of get whacked. Nobody seems to talk about it. Nobody cares. They should. Dollar yen continues to go higher seemingly every day. We're going to come in for show one night and say the Bank of Japan intervened in the end, and it'll last for about a day and a half. That's not going to work. Dollar's going to continue to go higher against the yen, which is not a good thing for equities, in my opinion. And to the Apple point, yeah, Apple's clearly important. Rates are more important. And very quietly, 10-year yields are back to 4.3%. It's a big deal. They're not going up for the right reasons. That's my view. Yeah, and by the way, the BOJ has been trying to jawbone the yen, and it worked Good for luck. a, a small window yeah. of time. Exactly. B- minute, I mean, and then reverse. So uh, BOJ has been so offsides on monetary mm-hmm. policy. And um, you brought up toilet paper, by the way, not me. Mm. No, but you took um, it to the well, next level. No, I mean, level. come on. This is, this is what I, happens I, around mine here. Mine was a metaphor. I mean, <laughs> Yours is just one. That went over my head. <laughs> Coming up, rough skies ahead for airline stocks and major players warning of a spike in fuel costs this summer. So will the pain at the airport pump continue to be a headwind for the space? We'll debate that next. Plus, all eyes on ARM. The IPO market picking up steam ahead of one of the biggest listings of the year. So will the high-profile debut pave the way for more tech and AI companies to follow suit? The details when Fast Money returns. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Fast Money. Two major airlines today signaling there could be turbulence ahead. Mm. Southwest warning on revenue on some of its leisure bookings stalled last month. And United telling the street that spiking jet fuel costs could weigh on its quarterly results. Phil LeBeau is here in Studio B with us. Welcome, Phil, our first report. Wow, I love this place. This is fantastic. This is like the living room of Dr. Evil. (laughs) It is. It was meant to be. Yes. That's what we were going for. Oh, that's good. That's good. Ooh. Um, Let's talk about the airlines. It was also Alaska had some negative comments today. And the bottom line is this. Jet fuel, if you've looked at it since the beginning of July, has been on a tear, relatively speaking. And as a result, what did we hear from United today? It said that their jet fuel costs up about 20 percent. 
in the, the uh, third quarter. They didn't bring down their guidance in terms of earnings, but they was clearly issued the warning there. And then you heard the same thing from Southwest Airlines saying, look, we see these higher costs here. Not the greatest commentary regarding leisure demand, but they didn't warn. Uh, they did say unit revenues will be lower than expected from their previous guidance. And take a look at jet fuel. As we mentioned, up about, what, 30, 35 percent since the middle of July. This is the largest cost for the airlines. So this should not come as a surprise that we're seeing this from the airlines. And as you take a look at the airline index, all of this raises the question, what can we expect beyond the third quarter? It's starting to feel, to me, similar to what it felt like before the pandemic when, remember, Warren Buffett and others said, look, there's a long-term play with uh, airlines. I'm starting to get the feeling that there may not be a long-term play for the airlines, that they're back in this trading dilemma, that you just kind of trade them up and down, trade them up and down. Because if you look at their business, demand is strong. The, the demand remains strong. A little soft on the pricing in the, fourth, in the third quarter, but not terrible. So, so why is there no love for these stocks at all? I'm curious, Phil, for United, how do they stick to the revenue and cost guidance that they gave in July, even with fuel costs going up so much? A lot of that has to do with the demand. That you saw. I mean, huge. I mean, they had a great summer. International United is killing it. They are absolutely killing it on the international business. They've got the pricing there. They have the demand there. They added the capacity at the right time. But the cost guidance remained the same. I mean, revenue per head. The math doesn't add up, is your point. And and they also didn't increase capacity. So it'd be one thing if they said we're increasing capacity, which as an investor, by the way, I don't want to hear, right? Because airlines, whenever they get sloppy on capacity is when the multiple dives. um, And and that that is the concern that's out there right now for between uh, Labor Day and Thanksgiving. There's more capacity this Labor Day to Thanksgiving than there was in 2019. And more than a few people in the industry have said, I think we might be a little over our skis. Yeah. Well, I was just you, you said this, and I'll just say this because I've said it before. I think airlines are the greatest trading stocks in the market. And, and I think if you look at the, the underperformance, and I think Delta underperformed its multiple and its earnings power for a long time, and then it shot up, I don't know, how many, 14 straight days? I mean, it set a record. So, right. Um, and I think they can go lower here. Yeah. Karen, what do, you, what do you think of airlines here? Well, I don't own them. I, I'm wondering about how much do they hedge that oil. So for some amount of time, maybe they, they're okay with the right. cost because that's our, they right. make it up on the other side. But did they but need them to come down. They do need it, <laughs> although sometimes we've seen that oil has actually not been such a headwind in that they're able to charge more. We've seen oil. Can they still do oil surplus or gas surplus charges, gas? No. They can't. No, not right now. The market won't bear it, or they're the not market won't bear it. it. Okay. That, that's my opinion. Now, the market has bared higher costs on these international routes than have been out there. So, I mean, there is a little bit of firmness there, but I think there's there's not as much as you might imagine if oil continues to move higher. May I ask Phil a question? We have not yeah. goodbye. The, yeah. the rules you still apply. Him a question. I'm trying to play you by the rules. Participate in the conversation. Good for you. you have to understand, Phil. If, if we goodbye the guests, yeah, and we if get one of us, we is the yeah. question about toilet paper. Then no, no, it's well yeah. close, but no. Okay. <laughs> Existential risk of these, and United can say whatever they want. There was a ground halt the other day. Computer Yesterday. glitch stopped me from coming into New York on United. I had to rebook wow. on a different airline. There seems to be an existential risk here with the airlines on the back of all these. Ter- is, yeah. is, am I being too dramatic here, or is there something going on? No, I don't. I think you're being too dramatic. Look, what happened with United yesterday was a very short ground stop. Now, it's not good if you're somebody like me and you're there and you're like, I got to get to New York. Now, I'm not going to sit around and wait and see whether or not the ground stop is lifted. Ultimately, the flight I was supposed to be on did take off, but I didn't know that. And like a lot of people, I was like, I got to get to New York one way or the other. So I rebooked. 
Um, I do not think that there is an existential issue here for United or Southwest or any of the other airlines. I do think that we will occasionally come across this. Um, and I know that's not the answer people want to hear, but I don't think there is an existential uh, issue here. Yeah, I mean, I think the bigger question is, do oil, does oil come down? Katie Stockton just tweeted today, she saw it up to 94, because we're definitely seeing the spike. You know, today we saw a continuation of yesterday's spike on the back of the production uh, I think we're at the higher end of so, – so Katie sees it to 94. Yeah. I had said I think 100. That uh-huh. big, fat, round number is probably going to be the limit to the upside or thereabouts. So we're closer to that than you could sort of see the light at the end of the tunnel. When you look at the charts, Southwest chart is the most hideous chart in the, in the uh, airlines. Delta, United – still look okay to me. So if you're going to look, if you want to bottom fish and you want to look at Southwest, mm-hmm. then you could probably take a stab at that. But I don't see any reason to be to go out on a ledge and buy any of the airlines right I, now. I don't see any reason to trade airlines on oil prices. I mean, we don't reward them on the way down. Uh, we, we, don't, we don't talk about it being a windfall on a surplus to them. So um, okay. I, I, I just think... Look, I'm, I'm a big fan of Delta. I'm a million miler. I've flown a lot of miles on Delta. Um, but I think this is the best airline by far uh, in terms of what, what their, their execution is, in terms of their balance sheet, and a company that didn't have to. Um, and Karen talked about this during COVID. And the enterprise value for all these airlines changed dramatically. It didn't at Delta. Um, and I, I just think that they're... We, we have a trouble giving them credit for running these businesses efficiently, especially through all the tests they have over time. And, boy, they test us all the time. I think they run better. All right. Phil, great to see you. It's great Glad to be here, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Making the trip. <laughs> all right. Remember, put the little book colored buttons in here so we can all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. After the break, we've got some after hours action shares of American Eagle and C3 AI on the move after reporting results. The details from the quarters next. And don't call it a comeback, even though it may very well be one. With arms debut inching closer, could more high profile names be next? The latest on the IPO landscape ahead. You're watching Fast Money Live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. Back right after this. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals, to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Welcome back to Fast Money. Stocks dropping as the market continues its sluggish start to September. The Dow falling nearly 200 points. The S&P down more than half a percent. And the Nasdaq leading the losses with a 1% loss, now on a three-day losing streak. Some earnings alerts on two after-hours movers. Shares of American Eagle and C3AI both lower after earnings, but GameStop jumping nearly 6% after reporting its results. And healthcare company ResMed getting an upgrade from Needham this morning. Analysts slapping a buy rating on this name, saying the headwinds appear to be priced in. The stock Finishing the day lower, slightly lower, is now nearly 30% in the last two days, last two months, I should say, as obesity drugs gain in popularity, causing analysts to believe that if fewer people are overweight, there will be less demand for ResMed's sleep apnea products. Meantime, the IPO market showing signs of a thaw with a host of high-profile companies gearing up to go public. British chip designer Arm expected to price just a week from today and targeting a valuation of $52 billion in what many investors hope could be the jump start that the listing market needs. Instacart, Clavio, and more are expected to price before year's end. Our next guest is an expert in new issues and also is no stranger to our home here at the Nasdaq market site. Let's welcome Nelson Griggs, president of Capital Access Platforms, 
at the NASDAQ. Great to have you with us. Great to have you back up here. This is awesome. This is fun, yeah. right? Have you been, have you sat on the set before or no? I've been sitting here for a few weeks waiting for you guys to, to get back up here. We're, <laughs> don't uh, throw anything in the middle. We're, yeah, don't throw anything in the middle. No, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're thrilled. It's, it's your, your 16th year with us, so this feels like it's a cool occasion. Yeah, back yeah, up. 16 years. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Um, so what does ARM mean for the listings market? I think ARM is a very unique deal. So of, in, of itself doesn't mean that, you know, a window opens up. But we're seeing some signs of life. Uh, we also are in the Nasdaq private market. And for the first time in probably 18 months, we're seeing significant activity there, uh, institutional activity. So you have that. You have a little bit of pickup in M&A activity, which gives a floor to, to valuations. And then we are very active uh, pitching. Companies are doing tests in the waters. So we think it, it sets up probably more of a 2024 depending on how Arm and the other companies you, you mentioned uh, perform, perform this fall. So, yeah. it, it, but it's a very big deal. What are some of the sectors you think will reignite this market? Yeah, I think is it we- Is going to be AI? Uh, well, AI is, is, I spent a lot of time out in California. It's, it's, most meetings are about with, with AI, AI companies. But I, I do think enterprise tech is very well capitalized for the next you know, 12 to, let's call it 18 months or so. So we, we do see more retail names right now. We see some PE back deals. We'll see some tech, but I think tech is probably more of a, you know, April, May story of next year than anything sooner than that. I know you don't want to play stock market, but we yeah. will for a second. Sure. August volumes for the Nasdaq were great. 7% year over year, I think quarter over quarter, 7% growth. The Adenza acquisition for $10.5 billion, which was significant. It's very accretive. It also gives you visibility. The stock doesn't trade like people understand it. What are people missing? Well, I think you mentioned the Adenza deal, and we're obviously very hopeful that it closes as we expect it to. And then it's, it's up to us to prove to investors and our clients that, that, we, that they see everything that we see in the deal. Um, our business, our core business, is performing very well. Um, I, happen, I manage the corporate businesses as well as investor businesses. So the index business is doing exceptionally well. Our data business is doing well. So the core franchise is doing, doing what we would expect it to do in a market like this. With the acquisition, it's, it's, it's up to us to show, again, our, our customers and investors that um, we're going to deliver. Nelson, you, yeah. you spoke about the private market. Can you yeah. get a little bit deeper? Sure. What can the person watching television yeah, yeah. right now glean from that relationship from the private market to the public markets? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad you asked. So uh, you look at the valuation disconnect in the public markets happens every second and is, is real time. The private market is a much more slowly moving market. So when there is... A, a market like we have now, it takes a while for those valuations to come together. So for the last 18 months, we really saw almost no activity. What we did see was very small retail trades. Now we're seeing at least 10 times the amount of order flow coming into our platform. Their institutional trades coming, a small handful are at actually a premium to their last round. So we're just, again, seeing that the, I think the, the valuations are in the privates have reached a level where both the sell side and the buy side are getting to be more comfortable with where they are, which then portends to, uh, you know, hopefully a better public market in, in the IPO landscape. So, Nelson, let me ask you, for the ARM yeah. deal, which is gigantic, yeah. what's sort of the best-case scenario? I don't think it's a giant pop. It's what, what would sort of be a good underpinning for the market to really come, for IPOs to come back? Yeah, I, I think it would be for the deal to perform well. Uh, as they, they're on the road right now, so I wouldn't comment on you know, what that, that looks like. But as they go through their pricing, if it performs at a level where investors digest, it's a very large transaction to digest. And if it, if it performs well, I think it's, it's important not to focus just on ARM because there are other deals as well. So we need to see more of a broad base performance across the biotechs will go next week, as well as some of the other deals will follow ARM. Nelson, great to have you with us. Great, great to be here. And, uh, 
excited to have you back up here and, yeah. and uh, looking forward to uh, all the activity we're going to see up here. So great to have you. See you soon. Thanks. 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 Great to be here. Um, what do you think of uh, how important is this? Well, I, first of all, look, the, the, this, this is a, a unique IPO, especially when you consider the history of the company, see the size of the deal, the, the investors that are involved, the people that have nurtured this to a point where it's ready to sell. It's ready to sell, and I think it's going to do well. Um, it's very important. Uh, we talked about the, the private markets getting to an equilibrium point on valuation that make it really interesting. The other thing that, that, that the folks at the NASDAQ should be really proud about is the leadership of the NASDAQ 100. I mean, all we do is around here this year is right. talk about how the, the, the NASDAQ 100 is leading and its semiconductors and its subsectors in that growth profile that seem to be driving the market right now. All right. Coming up, the Disney drama drags on. Challenges mounting as the company's charter feud continues. And now other media execs are sounding off. More on that next. And a defense drop shares a Lockheed Martin falling after some outlook and delivery updates. And the news had investors hitting the eject button. Mm. The details from Fast Money Returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Another dust-up for Disney. The entertainment giant is still fighting with Charter over its carriage fees, and now it's agreed to move up negotiations with our parent company, Comcast, for the purchase of the piece of Hulu it doesn't already own. That 33% of Hulu could fetch Comcast more than $30 billion. CNBC's Julia Borson's here with all the dollar and drama around Disney. Julia. Well, Melissa, Brian Roberts, the CEO of CNBC's parent company, Comcast, announcing this morning at Goldman Sachs Communicopia that they have agreed with Disney to bring the timing of their sale talks for Comcast's one-third stake in Hulu up to September 30th. Now, that's up from the prior deal to start talks in January. Roberts saying that Hulu's previous $27.5 billion valuation was hypothetical, saying it's way more valuable now than it was five years ago. All of this as Disney faces a negotiation with Charter over licensing fees and Charter's demand that it be able to offer Disney Plus to its subscribers at no additional cost. Now, Comcast Roberts at Communicopia saying he's not surprised by the dispute as every company deals with their version of what he calls this transformational moment of what's happening in the entertainment industry. Meanwhile, Paramount CEO Bob Backish commenting that a dispute like this seems inevitable, and that he's been focused on deals to bundle in access to Paramount streaming apps into certain paid TV packages along with their linear TV networks. Now, all of this comes as Disney slashes the price of Disney Plus with ads to just $2 a month. That's 75% off for new and returning Disney Plus subscribers for three months. Now, this is a promotion that's long been in the works as Disney works to draw more subscribers to its dual revenue stream option. Melissa? Julie, I was a little bit surprised that they moved the the date up because that would force Disney to pay up sooner and it's not necessarily in a great position to do so unless you think that because of this charter dispute and because of this quote-unquote transformational moment that it wants full control of Hulu so that it has more control over how to offer its content directly to consumers. What's your take? I mean, look, Disney, Disney would not have agreed to this if it didn't make sense for them to have clarity around this, clarity about how much they were going to pay, clarity about which assets they were going to have to be able to bundle in, perhaps, with some of their other streaming content. So I think clarity is the name of the game here, Melissa. And I think knowing that this thing is looming in January, why not get it done sooner? I think that was sort of the approach here. All right. Julia, thanks. Julia Borston following all these developments. Um, Tim Seymour, you had your sort of 
angry moment with, uh, well, I mean, with Disney. One of the greatest <laughs> tennis matches for American men's tennis at the U.S. Open was on last night, and I couldn't. And I thought, all right, well, I've got Dis I've got ESPN Plus, I've got Disney Plus. Let me wave it in. And I suddenly found that uh, you know Spectrum, who's my cable provider, you know, is is not you know that's how I'm getting through the pipe, and that's getting blocked too. So I mean, there, you know, people are finding out that this extra money that they're paying isn't really getting them the freedom that they want, and essentially the and you know building their own bundle not so good. Um, I, by the way, I want to bring back, you know, the, the comments by the godfather, Tom Rogers. Guy calls him a stud. But yes. what, one of the things he pointed out is that Disney's future is being dictated by transactions um, and, and by deal flow that they it really it ties their hands. And it kind of feels like that's also what's going on here, even though this may be uh, the purchase that they need. It's not a great time. It's interesting. I watched Roku, I think it was the end of July. Stock went up 30% after the earnings, which is, which is pretty amazing. But if you look at where the stock was and where it is now, I mean, it's barely budged. There's going to be an opportunity, I think, to really, if you're looking for a short side trade, it's going to come in the form of Roku, because despite the fact that they're cutting costs, seemingly doing better, still a company that trades at a ridiculous valuation, they can't figure out how to make any money. So Roku here, I think, at $86, it gets to the mid-90s. There might be a great short trade on the horizon. Maybe Disney isn't doing so badly because of this. Uh, Deadline is reporting that Disney has seen a 60% jump in Hulu Plus live TV hmm. subscriptions relative to internal expectations since that carriage impasse with Charter Communications. It gets your point exactly right. So, they, I mean, maybe they anticipated this was going to happen, right? right? It's not crazy knowing they have this issue with Charter coming up. Here's a potential way for them to alleviate that somewhat. Paying up now, I, I mean, it's only four months difference, but if it can help them in their other endeavors. Now, you got to think Comcast is going to make them pay extra for that. Mm -hmm. Why I give think, it to yeah. them for free? Exactly. Right. They need I think that's obviously the play that has worked out has been the Comcast stake. What is that worth? The stock has been trading on that almost unilaterally, and I think it's still the best buy. Disney looks like the bottom is ready to fall out. So this has been the pandemic low area. If it doesn't hold here, it's... $20 to the downside. Coming up, locked and unloaded. What had shares of Lockheed Martin losing altitude? That delivery update that had investors on the defense. That's next. Plus, wow. roll credits. Shares of AMC plunging after a new stock sale announcement. And options traders are betting these losses could be a double feature. How they are playing <laughs> it when fast money returns. <laughs> Welcome back to Fast Money. Lockheed Martin shares diving nearly 5% today after the defense giant cut its outlook for F-35 fighter jet deliveries and delayed deliveries for its TR-3 jet. Lockheed saying in a filing it now expects to deliver 97 aircraft this year. That's down from earlier expe expectations of between 100 and 120. The F-35 accounted for 27% of Lockheed's net sales in 2022. You flagged this guy. I did, and it, the move probably makes sense, but you can go back and look at Lockheed Martin over the last 10 years. You've had moves of this magnitude on similar types of headlines. They always get through it. They always come out the other side. Valuation is extraordinarily reasonable. Probably given this move and given what you just said in terms of revenue, it's probably about as expensive as it was before the move. With that said, you don't run far from Lockheed Martin. Go back and look at the last quarter. It was excellent. This is lower left, upper right, with solves along the way, I think the self should be bought. It's amazing in the world that we live in. It's almost like cybersecurity stocks. You would think that you couldn't have a more bullish 
environment for these for these names, especially with defense stocks. And if you look at Lockheed, if you look at General Dynamics or Northrop Grumman, Grumman, all of these charts look terrible to me. So I don't know if if this isn't the right time to buy them. I'm not sure what would be the right environment to buy these names. In. I don't think this does much to the short term numbers. It may put a little bit uncertainty on 24. I think it's an overreaction. And, and I think they're going to stay defensive here, um, pun intended or not intended. I don't know. But I, you know, you're right. This is a sector you want to own during this period. And, and I think uh, I, I love Boeing here, too. Coming up, AMC plunging shares falling hard after a stock sale announcement and options traders are getting a front row seat to this drop. How they are playing it next. Fast Money's back in two. Welcome back. Here's a sneak peek at the Kramer Cam. Jim is talking with the CEO of CrowdStrike. Catch the full exclusive interview at the top of the hour on Mad Money. Meantime, AMC shares plunging more than 36% to a fresh 52-week low after the company announced plans to sell up to 40 million new shares to raise cash. The announcement comes after AMC converted its eight preferred shares to common stock in August and also did a reverse mm. split. Um, Karen, you've been keeping a close eye on the debt. I've been keeping a close eye. The whole, the whole thing is just so crazy. So the debt, the debt that matures most, uh, the soonest is the 2025. I actually think, wow, it doesn't trade as terribly as it could, given what a disastrous situation this company is in. That's not that bad. So they did issue this 40 million shares. The stock today traded well over 40 million shares, but apparently that wasn't the companies issuing their stock yet. So who knows when that actually happens? I mean, this it's sort of like, do you remember Apollo 13? Everything blew up and they were taping stuff together with <laughs> duct tape and deciding to like ricochet around the moon to hopefully <laughs> land. Say that's what these guys are trying to do at 100 miles an hour where they're losing money, just hand over fist. You got a tiny blip up for Taylor Swift. I don't think that's enough to make it. I can't. I, I'm excited to see how this ends. It's extraordinary that it hasn't ended already. And what's but different about what you just said than two years ago, um, when this stock was riding high with the momentum of, you know, the it was the memers? Idi- and right, it was, it, it was, it was yeah. idiotic. First of all, it was burning cash. It burned 630 million dollars in 22. I don't know what it burned in 21. It was probably around the same amount. It's going to burn a couple hundred, probably 250 to 280 this year. Um, this this was a broken company. It had nothing to do with the establishment or hedge funds. It, it has everything to do with secular headwinds that have been going on in in the box office. And it was a great summer, by the way. And and the you know. T-Swizzle and all the Swifties aren't going to save them either. I mean, you know, just to be clear, on the day that that news was announced, I mean, I think the stock barely budged and it shouldn't have budged. And maybe it saved it from being down another 20 percent, which is what it seems to do every day. This is shocking. And and it's been shocking that um, the shenanigans that I think have been going on. Well, I mean, it's amazing that the CEO went from hero to shareholders to anathema, maybe to shareholders at this point. And and what about that high shares, by the way? State, well, that right? was, that that they was thought a disaster they should spend the the money, right? That they should spend money. Right. That sh- they should yes. spend money on a gold miner of all things. He was their Mel Gibson in Braveheart, and it's you know, it's he's nowhere near any of that's those not, things. No, that's not fair. That's a great movie. I think you just yeah, take that back. I, I take it all back. Right, but let you. me ask you: Is there another CEO around who could still have this company <laughs> be not bankrupt? It's been extraordinary. I'm not saying I would ever buy it, but I do find it. Absolutely amazing that he has been. Yes, 
By the way, these special these prep shares called deals, apes. The apes, the prep were shares jam back they, on them. Remember yeah. when they sold a hedge fund, the right to, they, you will take your debt, retire it, we'll give you shares, and you can sell them right, right. away. I mean, they, 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 nine lives, I don't know if they're all legal. They seem to be, but it's extraordinary. The problem is when you look at it, when Karen said she's surprised it hasn't come to an end, one-year performance, the stock is down 88%. And then if you get overly negative on a stock that's down 88%, tomorrow it could pop 30 40 50%, and no one is shocked at it. So you could get whipsawed in this name twice before, <coughs> before noon. It, this is a no-touch for pretty that's much everyone no on, on, on no the desk. <laughs> Option traders betting today's AMC losses could get even bigger. Kelly Intelligence CEO Kevin Kelly joins us with the action. Kevin, what'd you see? Hi, Melissa. Yeah, with today's uh, downside move, it's no surprise that we saw 1.4, uh, 1.43 times the amount of puts versus calls in the name. And this, you know, what Steve said is right, right? You, It can whipsaw so much. I mean, we're seeing an implied volatility of 166.55 in the stock. Now, today's options, we saw the most heavily traded contracts were the near-term $10 puts for this week as well as next week. So you you had over 110,000 contracts in those two strikes uh, for you know those two expiries. So downside move from here, staying below 10. All right, Kevin, thanks. Kevin Kelly. For more options action, tune into the full show. That's Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Up next, Final Trades. the final trade let's go around the horn tim seymour delta airlines i am long uh, i do think that the dynamic around the news today and chasm prices margins i, I think they're going to hold it together valuation is really attractive karen yeah so one area that's been holding up pretty well is the banks i bought some more jp morgan today one, uh, one by two call spread for earnings did you wink I did not. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Hello, Jamie. Uh, Steve Grasso. Apple, negativity is overdone. I took a stab at it again. I have been out of the name. I'm back in the name. Key. Mel, we were just talking about this. Nobody hits more meaningless home runs than Pete Alonso. It's amazing. What are you I talking mean, about? The guy's He's Roger one Maris of the most prolific home run hitters of his time. Season, his doesn't first five matter. Years. We I mean, talk really the truth on fast money. Come on. What you know what? The NASDAQ, Mel, NDAQ, it's just too cheap here. Back to you. All right. <laughs> Thanks for watching Fast Money. See you back here tomorrow at 5. Meantime, Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. All opinions expressed by the Fast Money participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information the Fast Money participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Fast Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Fast Money Disclaimer. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals, to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, 
but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.